All right, OWS fam, Hilo here again bringing you another podcast in our little best ball series that we're doing over the next week. I will again be joined by Pavel, who's going to join me here shortly. I would like to add before we get into it that this podcast is going to be on stacking in best ball format, and I'm going to release the first article in my best ball series uh, of the summer um, in conjunction with this. So if you're listening to this, head on over and check out the article as well, and we're going to talk about uh, some things on the pod that are going to play off of that article. With that said, let's bring him in, the man, the myth, Pavel. How you doing, my dude? Good, good. How are you? Good, man. I'm excited to be talking to you every couple of days. I mean, we talk daily anyway, but actually yeah, we talk. But, <laughs> yeah, we like literally never like actually talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Good We're stuff. Pen pals, man. basically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So stacking, dude. What kind of juices do that does that get flowing in you? Oh, it's my favorite topic to talk about. I think I it know. is. Let's go. The biggest edge I think we can have. Oh, yeah. So. What a, what does a stack mean to you, dude, in a best ball format? Like what when I say stacking, like what are you thinking about? So I know we slightly differ with stacking. You, I know your definition, but my definition is just getting at least two or three guys from the same team. So like if it could be like Noah Fant, Sutton, and Judy, something like that. And you know, getting three guys it doesn't have to be the quarterback, but you know, normally a, a proper stack would be a quarterback with two pass catchers. Yeah, and I think to better understand like what a stack is, we kind of like we can talk for ages on it or i guess i could um but (laughs) stacking originated in in daily fantasy and um it originated with the definition being a quarterback plus two pass catchers and that's i think um something that not a lot of people understand um is it's it's pretty important to understand the origin of something if trying to analyze it and because this kind of technique started in the daily fantasy streets it really has a different different application when you try and transfer that concept to another format, like like we're seeing in redraft, which I could talk for an additional hour on stacking and redraft and how stupid it is. But anyway, um, that's why we're seeing it in best ball. And really, like stacking kind of jumped onto the scene four or five years ago in DFS. Um, and we've seen probably over the last two years, uh, it really take over the best ball space. Um, you know, after draft kind of moved on into the abyss, uh, we really, really started seeing stacking kind of that first year that draft was out. Um, and since then, now it is the new hotness. Everybody's doing it. Everybody's talking about it. And I think really when you get down to it, probably 95 plus percent of people don't understand why we stack. So why do you think or why, why would you say that we, we stack uh, particularly in a best ball format? Well, for me, I want to capitalize on variance. Like, be, variance is a big favor, really, for me. And what does that mean for me is, what is the most variant position? That's going to be wide receiver, right? Uh, you know, wide receiver one could still have a couple six-point weeks, seven-point weeks. Your wide receiver three or four on your team could have multiple, you know, 15, 20-point weeks. So when I'm stacking, I'm trying to get as many players from one team on my, my roster so I can capitalize on those big weeks because most weeks, at least one of those guys is going to have a good week. So if you're taking, you know, two, three guys, you're essentially getting yourself like a wide receiver, two wide receiver, three out of, you know, those two guys. And most of the time you can stack offenses late. You don't have to use premium when you're doing this. 
Oh man, that was pretty much the most perfect answer you could have given. I love it. So we stack to manage variance. We stack to leverage variance. It all revolves around variance. In DFS, in particularly in NFL DFS, we want to capture multiple pieces of the highest variance in scoring, which is a touchdown. So if you are stacking a quarterback with a wide receiver from a team and that quarterback throws a touchdown to said wide receiver, you're now double dipping on those points. So you are increasing the variance that is associated with the highest variance act in NFL DFS. For MLB, it's a little different where we have this high intrinsic amount of variance associated with the sport itself to where stacking takes on a little bit of a different metric and, and reason for stacking in that we're actually trying to lower the variance because there's so much intrinsic variance with hitting a round object with another round object. So by stacking, we're looking to capture overall team points from that from a team you know, scoring a lot of runs in a game. So a little bit variation why we do it, but the big picture is we're stacking to manage or leverage variance. And so variance in the NFL kind of takes on a high, I guess, range of meanings in that when you're talking about variance from just a pure statistical sense, it is quite literally just the measure of a point in a data spread from its mean. So um, you're talking about standard deviations, which variance in statistics is the square root of the standard deviation. Um, all that kind of math background we don't really need for this discussion, but basically picture a bell curve and standard uh, data set points within an overall data set and where do those points fall and the frequency at which they fall on that spectrum. That is variance from a statistical standpoint. Now, when you talk about the NFL, we introduce things like injuries, weather, coaching changes in the middle of the season, all kinds of different things. And even when you're talking about injuries, we're not just talking about injuries to the player that you drafted. What happened last year when Dak Prescott went down, you know, in the first quarter of the season? Well, now the, you know, Dallas went from putting up two wide receiver one weeks in the first four weeks to like four the rest of the season. So you see that variance can be come out of nowhere and can affect your lineups in a season long format like best ball. But we have to realize best ball is still a weekly game where you're trying to score as many points as you can in each individual week and then run that back over the course of a season. Anyway, what, what's your take on variance in best ball and what, what other angles are you looking for there? Well, you actually just made some really great points that I can, you know, kind of jump on. So, you know, you just made two good points. Uh, first was the illustration. Think of like the bell curve example, right? You're talking about you're seeing all the data points where everyone is. That's their scores for the week, right? And then we're talking about, you know, leveraging variance and how can we, you know, get it favorably for us. And also, this is a weekly format, right? We're trying to outscore our opponents every week. So we, you're not just looking, you know, just from a stack perspective, you know, you can look at it from an individual player perspective. You have certain guys that will put up these scores that, you know, our high variance guys will get you a six, a five, a four, a three in a couple of weeks, but then you're going to get that 30 or 40. Guys like Will Fuller, guys like Tyler Lockett. These guys are, you know, game changers for you. They, those two, three, four weeks where they're getting 40 points, some teams won't even make that up in the entire season. You know, you're getting yourself ahead by, you know, 
maximizing that opportunity to take that. You know, you want to build around those players. You want to have safer wide receivers in them, obviously, so you can fill out your roster each week. But having those guys, you know, can put you over the top. And how important are spike weeks in a best ball format? I think it's the most important thing to look at. You obviously, later, especially later, when I'm drafting later, I'm looking at guys that can give me those bigger spike weeks. Like when we're at, you know, round eight, nine, ten, where we're filling out our bench, I want that like Will Fuller type. I want Henry Ruggs this year. I think he's got that big play potential. John Brown is another guy I'm always taking because he's got those big bomb potentials. Like that's what I'm looking for. Yeah, I love it. And that uh, obviously that kind of plays into opportunity cost and when you're drafting guys, ADP, all that good stuff. But um, a typical a typical spectrum, if you think about risk in a draft, is the earlier the round that you're, you're forced to draft a player based on ADP, the less risk you should be accepting. So that means higher floors. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean a, a hit to spike week potential. That just means that you're a little bit more concerned about him being able to consistently fill at least a wide receiver three spot for you, uh, strictly speaking, to wide receivers. As the rounds get later, you know, you start getting into the double-digit rounds. Now you are looking for almost pure spike week potential most of the time, where you are looking for a guy who can fill a wide receiver one spot for three to four weeks out of the season. Uh, Guys that you mentioned previously, uh, glaring examples. Another place to look for those late, uh, spike week potential players are rookie wide receivers. Mm-hmm. Um, typically, they're starting slow as they enter the NFL, especially last year. I hammered that uh, in the preseason discussions is, hey, we're likely to see these rookies start a lot slower this year because they have an abridged preseason, no camp, all that good stuff. But anyway, this year leading into, we get a little bit more of a, of a standard offseason to where you know some of these rookies could explode on the scene for anywhere you know four to six spike week uh weeks and typically they are coming with uh extremely affordable uh cost of acquisitions yeah there's like there's a ton of and a couple of guys don't really make sense like nico collins is still like a 17 18th rounder just because he's on the texans doesn't mean he doesn't have an opportunity good you know yeah especially that late you have you know eskridge who's got opportunity uh mark rogers even i have been really regretting not taking more Terrace Marshall because he looks like he's going to be balling out. But the thing is, too, you want to look at when you're building your rosters, like late round wide receivers are going to outscore late round running backs, right? So you want your running backs to be out of the way. And when you're getting down to, you know, the end of the roster, you want to start filling out opportunity to, you know, really get those big spike weeks there. Or guys that can you know, become, you know, stars. There's been so many guys that have come out you know, that one rookie that we don't talk about, like two years ago, it was like A.G. Brown and Terry McLaurin both in that one draft class. And we were taking that late, late, late. So taking those shots on, you know, ambiguous, you know, situations and, you know, you never know who can get hurt, who, who's going to be like a true breakout star. You know, we don't know. So that's why you want to take all these shots on these guys that have the opportunity. Yeah. Quick tangent. Uh, I know that was a little bit less about stacking, but uh, yeah. we, we can't leave the high spike week potential late player discussion without mentioning albert wilson i can't can't do it gotta gotta hype up my burt shares uh but yeah for year four like we've talked about previously but anyway (laughs) drafted him in the puppy today yeah dude oh my god he's a man crush for sure all right that's so 
jumping back to our discussion on stacking and variance, how how do you look to gain leverage on the field through you know utilizing game theory um, in the realm of stacking? So, for me, there's one bit of advice that I really have used, and it's one of our you know uh, one week season friends, Todd. And he says, you know, I'm all for stacking. Stacking is great, but I'm not going to drop a tier for stacking, right? Mm -hmm. So when I'm drafting, I obviously want to get the best player available. And I'm trying to, like, build my teams around it. So, for example, I have something that I try to do when I'm, like, in the 12th spot on underdog, 11th spot. I'll try to start, like, running back, running back. And then I'll try to take Evans and Godwin. Or I'll take Robert Woods and Cup. And then throughout the, you know, next few rounds, I can fill up my roster. And then I can grab... Tom Brady, I can grab uh, Stafford, and it's, most of the times can fall to me, and then I can grab Antonio Brown somewhere along the line, and then you can grab Higby and Gronk. You can build these, you know, teams. Like, so there's certain teams that ADP kind of lets you naturally build stacks that you don't have to reach for them of good offenses. Like, these are going to be two of the, you know, I would say top 10 offenses in the league. So I'm, of course, trying to, you know, get as much of these stacks of these teams as possible. And then, you know, building on the later wide receiver wide receiver three fours sometimes i'll start without a quarterback and then stafford seems to fall sometimes and i even really like his price so i'll just take a naked stafford and at the end of the draft i can take deshaun jackson who is like the variance <laughs> king <laughs> and then yeah. like van jefferson so then i just built myself a you know a late stack of the wide receiver three four and then i got stafford you know yeah, one of one of the biggest mistakes I think I see drafters making is forcing the quarterback to create and generate a stack. Um, take the most extreme example from last year, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. They combined for 11 wide receiver one weeks. However, um, Kirk Cousins returned eight quarterback one weeks. So you're looking at a deviation of three uh, overall positional one weeks. 